Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy, best friends forever. Yo! This is the Fantasy Best Friends Forever here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Alongside Frankie Stample, I am Greg Sussman. Frankie, what's going on, bud? Frankie, thank God it's Thursday. It's almost Friday. Is it weird? The NBA is back. Is it weird that it feels like a long week? It was only... (laughs) This is day three. Try being here last week. This is day three. (laughs) I came off a week off. And it feels like a long-ass week, man. Uh, The NBA is back tonight. It was supposed to be... Maybe it still might be opening day in the spring training. There was supposed to be a game at 3 p.m. Uh, between the Mariners and the Oakland A's. But as of now, I got an update from our good buddy, former best friend forever, Michael Florio, that it's raining in Arizona. So Is he in Arizona? What? Is he in Arizona? I don't think so. Oh, he just let you know that <laughs> it's raining in I don't know. He probably gets like the whole like West Coast like weather update. <laughs> <laughs> That's BS. If, like, if it was raining in Baltimore right now, no, would you know it's thing, raining right? in like, Baltimore? If we watch the weather, if we watch the weather right. on the news, like we'll kind of see like the East Coast stuff. That's going Flor- on. But like you would never realize. All right, like, Florida spring training in Florida. Maybe he was consciously paying attention Maybe. to Arizona because Maybe. he wants to watch the spring training right. game. Right. Which you know you'll get like an inning of Marco Gonzalez, and then like who knows what? Cool, game. dude. No, I was kind of excited though. Like I actually had this day like marked off. I have on my calendar at home. Saturday, Yankee spring training opens. It's on my calendar. What time does that game start? One o'clock. Against the Red Sox. It's a rivalry game, Greg. Is it on Yes? Uh, yes, first broadcast is Monday. Uh, it's, probably, it's probably not even televised. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but hey, man, we're going to... Before, before you know it, we're going to have some box scores to look at uh, in terms of uh, some spring training baseball stuff, so that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, to the surprise of nobody, Zion Williamson does not play baseball. So I don't think that we're going to be talking about him today, unless you have a little something-something that you want to... We'll be talking about him later on the NBA Fantasy Hour. Uh, we can't really say what you can say right now about the situation. <laughs> all right, get it off your on chest, the NBA Greg. Fantasy Hour. Um, you know what, listen. I think, it's, I think all the Nike memes today are hilarious. Um, and 100% deserving. Is it? They're definitely... Dude, if this happened to any shoe brand, any... If it happened to like a jersey or something that wasn't Nike, or if this happened to anybody, they'd be getting roasted. It's not just because it's Nike. If this happened to anybody, like, dude, Nike's supposed to be the forefront of like athletic shoe apparel. And this guy tore through his shoe. It's not like, ah, just ripped a little bit. His whole foot went through the shoe, Greg. So, can I show you something? What's up? Did you tear through your shoes? So speaking of shoes, right? Oh god! Have these? Well, yesterday we had the uh, we had the male Uggs. So I have. So it's you know, I have these. It's Greg's shoe week. I have these on the boots on, right? So yeah. obviously Zion, the whole Zion thing happens yesterday, right? You have a hole. I put my shoes on this morning, and this thing 
<laughs> is ripping apart. Are those Nike? They're, that's what I looked <laughs> to find out if they were Nike. They, they are not. Um, but I was just like, is it really a huge Nike thing? Like, do I... I actually it could have happened to anyone dude this guy's like a near saying. 300 pound that's player. what I'm saying it could have happened to anyone if he was wearing Puma shoes yeah, or Adidas or Under Armour I know he, why, he wasn't but. that's why I say it's deserving though like it could have happened to anybody like any brand and if it did we'd be roasting all those people too yes uh, probably a little bit more so because it's Nike and they're like the face of everything that's kind of like sports apparel obviously sneakers and they have like this deal with Duke and stuff and um, yeah I mean look just Real quickly, uh, with Zion Williamson, I mean, it was obviously, uh, it sucked what happened last night to him. Awful. Um, you know, I uh, want to make sure that he's 100% healthy. I know Knicks fans are gasping everywhere because, like, that's the most Knicks thing ever to happen, where it's ever. like, you know, a generational talent coming out as the first overall pick. No, the most Knicks thing ever is going to finish, with, finally, after two decades, finish with the worst record in the NBA and only have a 14% chance of winning the lottery. That's the most Knicks thing ever. That is... Yes, that too, but the fact that it looks like they're going to get the number one overall pick. No, they, they have the same chance as the freaking Magic. Whatever. Or the Cavs or whatever. They still have, they have a, a better shot this year than they've had ever before. In the past decade or so. Even though they always suck. So a lot of people are getting excited about Zion, and of course he gets hurt. And I actually, uh, I tweeted this out last night, Craig. I said, even if, Drink. Even if, he, did get, even if he were hurt and like it was a serious injury, I still think he should go number one overall. Look at Joel Embiid. I also, I don't think I tweeted it out, but I also was thinking the same thing. I was like, oh, maybe if Zion drops, if the Knicks get like three, they can Zion will be there. Like, that'd be cool. Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate. Look, a lot of NBA players coming out and showing their support of him. You shouldn't play another game uh, at Duke, so on and so forth. Uh, look, I can't disagree. I mean, the guy's, he's got, he's got an insurance policy, but he wants to make money, obviously, uh, going as one of these top picks in the NBA draft. So, I can't blame him 100%. Uh, I think, you know, regardless of what he does, if he wants to come back or even if he doesn't, yeah. I, I would support his decision because, I mean, you kind of got to put yourself in his shoes here. Ah, pun intended. Uh, but I think, uh, I think if you do that, you'd, uh, you'd easily be able to see that, yeah, you want to be there with your teammates, you want to help them out, but this is also like your livelihood, like the rest of your life. So you can't really put that at stake. We'll see what, ha- we'll see what happens. It, doesn't look like, it looks like he avoided a very serious injury. It's a mild knee sprain. We'll see. We asked Dr. A how to it. Oh, that would have been good. Mm. Hey, we'll ask him about baseball stuff. Uh, we'll ask him about uh, testicular torsion in Jose Abreu. email Virginia here. You talk, I'll email Virginia. <laughs> so, outside of Duke and Zion Williamson, we are going to be previewing the second base position today, which, you know, the three positions that we've, we've chosen to, uh, to start with here, the catcher, first base, and second base positions, are probably the three weakest. So... Here you go. Here are your, your position preview shows for fantasy baseball this year. Uh, we're starting off with the three weakest positions, but we're going to try and see how far we could get. I think yesterday we spoke for about two hours, and we got like 15 first basemen done. That's pretty good. Pretty good. This should be like outfield. So I think just a little bit. Dude, next week is going to be outfield week. week. Outfield week, pretty much, because <laughs> you know, I kind of started my rankings last night, and I have like 105 first basemen listed. I've gone about like... That's too many first basemen. No, it's not. Seems like too many. 105? Greg, there's 30 teams in baseball, and uh-huh. there's three outfielders on every team. That's 90 right you said there. said first baseman. I mean, uh, uh, outfielders. That makes more sense. I said 105 first basemen. Seems <laughs> too many, no, no, dude. No, no. I, I, did, I did about 35 to 40 at like regular positions. Sure. I think I have like 35. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. That makes I meant outfield. Sorry. I was that. like, what are you I, talking I, about? I don't even know if there are 105 like first basemen. <laughs> Between like the minors, the and, the minors and the majors, I don't know if I can find a hundred like a hundred 
uh, you know, first base eligible players. But yeah, we're gonna talk about the second base position today. Um, I don't know. You is there anywhere specific you wanna you wanna start at the top? Like overall thoughts of the position? Well, you know, it's actually I, I, wanna, think, I think it's a pretty shallow position. Well, actually, I, I always want to start at the start at the top and then kind of kind of work our way down. Yep. And it's funny because we talked a lot last week, was it earlier this week or last or two weeks, whatever. We talked about Jose Altuve. But we, had, we did last year's show two weeks ago. So we spoke about Jose Altuve. We asked a lot. Dr. Ray about Jose Altuve. And, and we were he scared, scared off. Because I, I was in on Jose Altuve, and then Dr. Ray scared the F out of me. So <laughs> Hey, that's what he's here for. Totally. Um, um, so the question now, as I look at NFBC ADP through the month of February, and the question becomes you look at the ADPs, Javier Baez and Jose Altuve are going back to back. They are going 14 15. Mm-hmm. Is there a case to be made that Javier Baez should go before Jose Altuve? Well, yeah, based on last year's production, but it's not just last year's produ- production. Oh, we're, we're projecting forward here with, with Javier Baez. And I think if you asked. We are confirmed to talk about Zion Williamson with Dr. A. Nice, sick. Uh, I think if you ask the average fantasy baseball player, maybe even the high stakes player, because I spoke a little bit with Matt Modica about this. If you had to choose one player that's going inside the top 15, which player kind of scares you the most? Right. And unfortunately, these two are probably the, the, the guys. Like, yeah. It's the second base position. It's Javier Baez. Look, was that his career year that we just saw? I mean, it very well could be. He was otherworldly last year. You know, he, he, was, in, uh, he was in the conversation for the, uh, for the National League MVP, and rightfully so. He was out of this world good. I mean, 34 home runs. You can't find a better... Five tool player than what he was last year. Nope. Javier Baez, 290, 34, 101 runs, 111 RBIs, 21 stolen bases. Perfect. You can't really argue with that. No but is that going to end up being his career year? That's really what it comes down to. And you know, I, I had some of my concerns. I, you know, I expressed my concerns with Javier Baez heading into last year, and I think I've just kind of accepted that this is who Javier Baez is, and he's going to be able to overcome his swinging strike issues and and his strikeout rate issues and the fact that he doesn't walk that much. He's going to be able to overcome that. Why? Because he's done it over the past four seasons. He's never had a batting average below 273. So that's his floor. His floor batting average is 273. And actually, you know, it, it, he's not like these other guys who strike out a lot and have this, this wide range of possibilities. You know what his range is. It's 270 to 290. That's where he's been his entire career. He's never been below 273. Last year, he was at 290. I worry a little bit about the power coming back a little bit because the batted ball data wasn't great. Like, 35% hard hit rate in a year where, like, everyone's hard hit rate was 35%. That was league average. The home run to fly ball ratio went up. So, you know, I do worry about some of these things. But, uh, you know, what, what do I have not projected for? 275, 29 homers, 85 runs, 95 RBIs, 15 stolen bases. That's still a near first-round player. So, I think my, my reservations with Javier Baez last year was Joe Madden. Right, it was Joe Maddon was going to f with him in some way, and he move him around. He wouldn't play on certain days. That's why you got him at a great discount. And, correct, and Ben Zobrist is going to be a thing. Ben Zobrist was great last year, but it wasn't. But it wasn't in spite of Javier Baez. Now Baez played more than ever last year. 160 games he appeared in, and all these stats to me, 34 home runs probably comes back down. You said 29 in your projections. Let's. I'll say 25 to 30, maybe even a slightly less than that 29 number. But I think the runs, the RBIs, I, I think that's replicable. And I think, like you said, Frank, the Babbitt, which was at 347 last year, it was pretty much in line with what he's done the last three years, 336, 345, 347. It wasn't outlandish. The average, okay, so it went up a little bit to 290. All right, if he comes back down to 280, okay. 
He's never going to be a high OBP guy because he doesn't walk. The strikeouts are always going to be annoying around 25%. But to say at 26 years old that he scored more runs and had more RBIs, gained a little bit of power here, kind of makes sense. Now, the stolen bases at 21 was by far um, a career high. I'm worried about that coming back down into that 15 range again this year, which would drop him a little bit. So for me... The obvious question is, yes, was last year the pinnacle of Javier Baez? You gave all the advanced stats, you gave the line drive rate, you gave the hard hit rate, and it wasn't glaringly bad. It wasn't like, all right, this guy's not going to do it again. But it wasn't like, all right, here's why he will do it again, right? It's kind of in the middle there, which means he's not someone I probably want as my first round pick. He's someone I'd feel more comfortable with as my second round pick. And if you're asking me between... Jose Altuve and, and Javier Baez, which is probably a fair question, as, as we stated. What are you drafting them for in the first round? If you're looking at guys that you're more comfortable with speed, theoretically, Jose Altuve is the guy. Of course, coming back from these injuries, you're, you're, you're a little bit nervous. But if you're convinced that Jose Altuve is 100% healthy, given that the average, given the speed, I'd probably take Altuve over Baez. But that's you have to be convinced that he's you're, healthy. They're like one A and one B. If you're not convinced, they give you different things. Ultimately, they give well, you different that's not necessary. That's not necessarily true. No, like Altuve gives you a little bit of everything else, but what he gives you more of is different than Javier Baez because he's going to give you more batting average. Definitely, he's not going to give you as much power. He'll probably be closer to twenty. It'll be like eighteen to twenty home runs. Without All right, so, so that's fine. So Baez is going to come more the, home runs. The yeah. runs, the runs will probably be Similar. comparable. Yeah, the speed, I, I, the speed. I think the RBIs kind of. Baez? Favor Baez. Okay. Uh, Speed is probably going to favor Altuve, you'd think. Does it, though? Which, that's, you know, he's coming off a major knee surgery, and when we asked Dr. A about it, he was worried. But that's ultimately the million-dollar question. Yeah. If you and think, I do worry about Javier Baez's speed. Something that yes. Matt Modica brought up to me in the second half last year, if you look at it, he went three for ten. in stolen bases. That's so bad. That's really, like, that's he went 21 for 30 on the season. So... Think about that. He only had three stolen bases. He attempted ten in the second half. Yeah. He went three for he went it's terrible. You know, he went three for ten. It's not a, you know, I think he's probably closer to like twelve to fifteen stolen I agree. bases I than agree the twenty one. And that's but really how many like Altuve's days of getting you thirty stolen bases are gone, Greg, in my opinion. I'm could, not gonna have any shares of Jose Altuve. I know I, 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 I don't what? think I am either. Talk myself into it. I do this a lot on the show. You're ranking Baez over Altuve. Yeah, I am. I'm not going to do it. Because if it came down to it, I, I would draft Javier Baez ahead of him. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You know, that, those 13 home runs that he had last year for Altuve, obviously le- less than he's had in any year since 2014. What's your realistic projection? The speed was less than he had. The speed, I, I don't want to say that those 30, the, the days of 30 stolen bases are gone. Go- I don't know about They're that, man. They're gone. Girl. Last year was by far the least he's had Ever is he just gonna stop? You think he's gonna just stop running? How about this? Javier Baez's sprint speed was in the 89th percentile in baseball this year. Very good. So maybe he's just got to pick and choose his spots better. I'm taking Jose Altuve ahead of Javier Baez, man. Realistically, I'm not taking either of these guys. No. I can see a scenario where you take Javier Baez though, and you you pair him with like a Freddie Freeman. That would be an awesome start. Although uh, you know you aren't don't, you concerned about the pitching? You then? don't get an outfielder. You don't get a starting pitcher. But Look, if you are someone that's confident that you could find those middle round outfielders and you could take your your SP one and two in rounds three and four, right? Like that's a scenario I could see taking because you get the batting average from Freddie Freeman to kind of counteract Javier Baez if there's a little bit more volatility there than we expect. 
and they both kind of do a little bit of everything. Like, Freddie Freeman's going to give you 10 stolen bases. He's going to give you 25 home runs. Like, I think it's a really good start. If you could start bias Freddie Freeman, pretty good. There's nothing wrong with it. Same thing as, like, you know, either guy. Like, if you could start bias Freeman, bias Goldschmidt, Good. Kind of what we talked um, about yesterday, I, but you can say the same about Altuve, man. Like, you can start Baez Judge. I thought about that too, but the batting average is a little bit more of a concern there. Like I trust that Freddie Freeman and Paul Goldschmidt are going to help me more in batting average than Judge. Can you, Judge is going to be like two seventy. Can you start Altuve Baez? <laughs> sure, of the middle infield. I mean, somebody can. I can't. Okay, just asking. No, nah, look, they're both really talented players. It's just like you lock yourself up so much if you do that early on. Because then, like, if there's middle infielders later on that you kind of like, that you think are you know falling at a good value, like, you're not going to draft one of those guys as your utility-only players. Well, is Baez, you, not, is Baez not shortstop eligible? Oh, well, that's true. Yeah, I mean, you can you can make Baez shortstop. Right. You could also, I think you could use him at third base as well. All right, so maybe you can. I, I wouldn't. Okay. I mean, well, again, personally, I, I need at least one between an outfielder and starting pitcher for the first two rounds. All right. In Roto. And in points leagues, probably not. I don't really want Javier Baez because he doesn't walk. Fair enough. All right, we'll take a break here. When we come back, Dr. A, Inside Injuries, will join us. We'll find out more about Jose Abreu's testicles. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round. We never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day, 10 an hour, one person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621 866-484-9621 That's 866-484-9621 Game time decisions Like you said, John White just took it to a whole new level He did Like, they're, they're, like, he, like you can be even more like, racist than I thought he was There's hate and like venom It's out of control that interview, I, I actually read it I thought it was just going to be a couple things Gabe, it, it shocked me I was, You called it John Wayne This can't be good. Well, sure, it's going to be a debate. Come up. Leave John Wayne alone. It's an old interview, and it's always yesteryear, but weekdays, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, only on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. All right, we're back. Fantasy best friends forever. Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I want to remind everybody, um... This Friday night here on the Fantasy Sports Network, calling the shots, Keith Irizarry. Live in studio, our buddy Kelly O'Coin will be here as well. 
talking everything from baseball to the Blazers, and it's going to be a hanging out. I know our guy Sean is going to be in studio. Uh, Sean's got some cool guests lined up as well. So it should be really, really fun. Calling the shots, Keith Rosari live in studio. Uh, Keith's been on the BFFs a bunch. We're excited uh, to watch his show on Friday night. So please check it out uh, and be a part of that. But speaking of being a part of it, Dr. A joins the program right now as he's, of course, an honorary BFF as well. What's going on, Doc? Um, good, guys. Frank, Greg, how's your week going so far? I thought he was going to ask, how did you sleep? I really thought he was going to do it. <laughs> I, didn't sleep, I didn't sleep that well last night, Dr. A. I mean, you didn't, a- you didn't ask me, but I'll answer anyway. I actually am dealing with, uh, I don't know, I-, I need you to come examine me a little bit because I got, I got like this lower back thing going on. I don't know if it's an oblique. It's like my lower left back. I kind of tweaked it playing basketball. I, I, every night I'm kind of like rubbing some, well, not me. My fiance is rubbing like Bio Freeze on yeah. it and like Icy Hot. Uh-huh. It's not getting better, Doc. What should I do? <laughs> I don't know. This is very typical of a Pilates injury. Are you doing oh. excessive Pilates? Uh, Probably not enough no. Pilates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not enough. That's for no, sure. It's a muscle strain. It's just going to take its own time. That's basically it. Anti-inflammatories and ice. By the way, my, basically just give me a quick update. Yeah. Like, my calves for like the last two years are still strained. I want to let you know that I haven't been able to work those muscles out. Well, you should probably, you know, like use them more often, Greg. Yeah, that maybe help. go jogging or something. Yeah, <laughs> that <laughs> might help. That might help. Yeah, strengthen them up a little bit. Yeah. All right, uh, Doc. We're mentioning all the our, our, our own injuries, but the biggest injury in sports right now is what happened to Zion Williamson last night, who fell out of his shoes and twisted his knee. And there's a massive, massive deep breath by. Every Duke fan, of course, any college basketball fan, NBA fan, and particularly Knicks fans um, as well. Duke said after the game that he has a mild knee sprain. You see, you saw on Twitter uh, immediately following the game that David Chang, um, he was that's David Chang. David Chang's a chef, uh, San Diego guy. Chow, Ch- David Chow. Thank you. Uh, David Chow was tweeting out that he believes from the video that it's probably a, a slight MCL injury, an MCL sprain that should have him back by the time the ACC tournament starts, or and or the NCAA tournament starts. He's not playing, He's not playing again. You well, don't, you don't yeah, we again. we tweeted out uh, right when it happened that it was an MCL sprain. Okay, so, so you guys, inside injuries agreed. All right, what is the uh, latest that you're so. seeing then, Doc? Yeah, I mean, this looks like a minor tweak. I mean, it doesn't look like a a, a major, uh, you know, like a grade two or grade three. We're we're labeling it a grade one. Uh, the very fact is, you know, right off that, you know, he was able to put some weight on it, um, and uh, you know, it, to us, it's a minor, it's a minor MCL sprain, uh, probably a grade one. The MRI is going to tell every. Everything. But, um, you know, the good news is, is that, uh, um, you know, it, we don't think it requires any type of surgery, although this is a two week recovery time, especially for him. They should really, really take it uh, uh, carefully for his sake, uh, because, you know, the way he plays and with the fervor uh, and the aggressiveness that he plays, this thing needs to be completely healed 100 uh, percent before he gets back out on the court. And so, uh, yeah, grade one MCL, two weeks. Let's see if they actually adhere to that uh, MRI results. I don't know if they'll ever publish them. Uh, we'll see what happens. But um, right now we're looking at a grade one. MCL sprain. Oh, there, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that they will adhere to this. They, they are not rushing him back. It's not like it's not like playoffs or anything like that. Like they are going to make sure he's a billion percent healthy before he's out there again. Two weeks time, your timetable has him back for the ACC tournament. Has him back in plenty of time for March Madness. But Frank, you said you do not expect him to play again. 
Yeah, so when I said he wasn't going to play again, that wasn't any like official report. That was just my opinion. I would be very surprised if he played again. Uh, obviously, he needs to protect himself and his future in terms of uh, you know where he wants to go in the NBA draft. Uh, he doesn't want to like you know further injure anything else. Uh, plus, like really, what else does he owe? You know, Duke and the NCAA. It's sure. not like you know he's making any money off this either. So you know, there's a lot of people debating that today. I, I don't really want to go into that, but I would be surprised if he plays another game, even if he does come back 100% healthy. So yeah, so let me be. clarify. Yeah, Frank, let me cal- clarify. He will be recovered from this injury in two weeks if it's mm-hmm. a grade one MCL sprain, which is what we're predicting. What he decides to do is a different of story. Course. <laughs> of course, <laughs> so, oh, of absolutely, course. 100%. Yeah, I hear what you're saying there, Doc. Because uh, I agree. I, you know, he's going to be healthy. At some point, I think, like, before, especially, like, the March Madness, the NCAA tournament. absolutely. I think he'll be healthy by then, but I would, me personally, I would be surprised if he plays. Doc, let's uh, let's transition here into a little bit of uh, fantasy baseball. Uh, We were having some fun yesterday, unfortunately, at the expense of uh, Jose Abreu. So I got to ask you, uh, we were talking about he had legitimately testicular torsion last year where he needed to have surgery to save one of his testicles. Um... I, I hope that doesn't affect him this year, but he also dealt with a thigh injury uh, that shut him down at the end of the season. Uh, first up, let's get your thoughts on the testicular torsion. Uh, and second, uh, the thigh injury with Jose Bray. Well, it was really a thigh infection, and all of this is related. So, you know, testicular torsion is a uh, sort of a serious emergency because the arterial blood supply to uh, one of the testicles gets twisted and then compromised, and it has to be basically operated and and sort of detoured or removed, etc. Unfortunately, but there's as any risk with any surgery, there's always a chance of post-operative infection, and that's what uh, you know. I think the inner thigh is kind of where they operate. On uh, you know that's kind of in the surgical field. Uh, he talked about it coming from an ingrown hair and then infected from that point. But usually that is probably in preparation for that surgery. Unfortunately, sometimes when you have a post-operative infection or an infection shortly after surgery, it's always connected and and the kind of the dominoes fall and then it takes a lot longer to recover. This is not a sports-related in whatever he had gone through. This is all related to medical uh, type of diagnoses and not sports injury related. He's ba- like, so the surgery's done, the infection is cleared, it's done, he's kind of uh, getting back. You know, all of these other injuries that he had before still keeps his injury risk pretty high. We always have said that. But from this particular uh, injury, he should be completely um, you know, recovered from because it's not really a sports injury. He's at 75% above average. Uh, remember, 80% is our peak threshold. So he's 5% away from being at peak health. His injury risk is at 27%, so one and a quarter. So he will get banged up this year, probably a quarter of the games. And, uh, you know, but from this particular injury, he should be back up to peak health once the opening day starts. You scared about that missing a quarter of the season, Frank? Yeah. I'm- you just drop him down in your rankings? <laughs> I, had to pull, I had to pull him up to to see, uh, I mean, he's been pretty durable outside of last year, so uh, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I mean, that does worry me a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I trust I trust Doc's analysis here, and you know, Jose Abreu is one of these guys that I was actively targeting. Uh, but hearing that, you know, missing a quarter of the games, or, or at least you know the possibility of that happening because of past injuries, it's worrisome. I mean, you can't just gloss over it. I don't think so either. We're talking to Doctor Ray from Inside Injuries, and Doc, the. Cardinals have come out and said, listen, we are not happy with how Carlos Martinez is trained. We are not happy with the how his shoulder looks or is reacting. And fantasy owners are now really staying away from Carlos Martinez because they don't know if he's a starter. They don't know if he's a reliever. They don't know when he's going to pitch. Should 
we'd be scared to draft Carlos Martinez? How many red flags do you need? Um, three <laughs> or four, seven? I feel like we have nine. them all, man. <laughs> so, uh, so number one, uh, you know, he has a long list of previous injuries. Number two is the fact that, you know, landed on the DL three times last season with shoulder oblique and latch strains. Number three, um, uh, he has a, he's a, you know, basically a throwing shoulder injury. It's grade two. So it's not a tear, but it's still, you know, a significant strain. And, uh, you know, with all of the previous injuries, the fact that it's a throwing shoulder, the fact that he's a pitcher, um, uh, gives him a 24% HPF. I mean, this is really bad. HPF is supposed to be right now for a guy you read, you think is going to be good this year, probably 70, 75, 80%. He's at 24%. His injury risk right now is 42%, like flipping of a coin almost. And so uh, I, this is a guy that unfortunately, from a fantasy perspective, you stay away from. That was obvious. There you go. That I was mean, look, you didn't, you didn't need to hear uh, much more than that. He was dealing with the lat injury last year. He's dealing with the shoulder injury now. I mean, these are these are recurring injuries now uh, with uh, with Carlos Martinez. It's uh, it's very worrisome. You were getting him at a discount before, but I look no matter how fall hard, fall how far he falls. Tongue twister there. Uh, I don't I don't know that I could. I don't think I could get in on Carlos Martinez here. Uh, Greg, you obviously know the song. You know, baby, come back. Miguel Sano is doing it to me all over again, man. Like every single year, I fall for the power upside of Miguel Sano. You're getting him outside the top 200 picks right now, so. You actually get like a pretty good discount here, uh, and I like the Twins lineup quite a bit. But he is—he's uh, currently walking, uh, wearing a walking boot here, Doc, uh, to prevent uh, a laceration on his heel from reopening. Uh, does this have uh, any potential of you know lingering into the season and, and becoming a nuisance? No, I mean, if this is a superficial laceration that he got stitches on and doesn't go super deep, then uh, this is not even a sports injury. Uh, this is uh, grade uh, 0.5 in our book, uh, and so it shouldn't, doesn't cause a lot. I wouldn't be concerned about this. I mean, this thing... Uh, a cut will heal with stitches probably in two weeks, uh, two to three weeks, and he should be good to go there, making sure that there's no infection after that, because then that will obviously complicate things. Um, the you know the, big, the biggest thing for Miguel Sano, is, and you said this, um, you know, he he's uh, I mean he's got an, another he's got a lot of recurrent uh, sort of nagging uh, previous injuries that he's recovered from. He's at 47% injury risk right now, and so it's like a flip of the coin. I know you have a love affair with this guy, but um, you know he's at 68%, so he's above average. But he's so high risk that if you're going to take him, you have to have a solid guy that you can literally replace him in your lineup because you know uh, he may miss half the year this year. He may. Or he may not, Greg. That's true. That's true. <laughs> There's two sides to every coin. There's two sides to every story. So, uh, look, Miguel Sano, look, it's kind of baked into his price, though, you know. You're getting him so late. And when I look at a guy like him, I just see, like, 30 home run upside. And I think actually being around a guy like Nelson Cruz is actually going to help him a lot in terms of, like, having a veteran presence around. You know, they're both from the Dominican Republic. I think that's going to help him. Uh, is it going to help him stay healthy? Not too sure about that. But I do see some serious upside here with Miguel Sano going outside the top 200. Yeah, there's not much risk, right? It's, it's, outside the top 200, doesn't cost you Can, can he be our corner infielder? I, I'd say so. Yeah! I'm okay with that. We're in, Greggy. In a roto, I'm okay. Let's I'm all go. right. You know, a name that we spoke about off the air, Frank, earlier this week, we're like, what do you do with you, Darvish? Like, what is you, Darvish, going to be? What was his injury? Like, nobody, nobody knows. Well, I'm hoping Dr. A knows. Doc, <laughs> is you, Darvish, healthy? He says he's healthy, but, like, he was so bad last year, but he blamed the injuries, like... 
Should we invest in this guy again? So um, <laughs> the procedure. Uh, like, where I mean, do I start? We, yeah. We, yeah, we could we could spend a long time talking about you, Darvish. Uh, um, I can have PowerPoint slides, and you know <laughs> we could do all of that. But to summarize it, uh, he had a right elbow arthroscopic debridement surgery, um, and so essentially, a lot you know that cleans up the cartilage in his throwing elbow. Um, it will it will shave off some spurs, uh, make you know kind of you know basically clean out like you hear about clean out procedures. That's what he's doing. Um, he had a tricep strain, a stress reaction at the tip of the right elbow, which means like he had a stress, like basically like a, a stress, a minor stress fracture there. All of that is healed. Every, I can almost guarantee you that all of that stuff is healed. He's had a good procedure. He's throwing batting practice. I mean, this thing is, uh, he's doing his, so far, everything that, that what we have seen and that's put into the algorithm, it's looking good for Hugh Darvish. The thing is, is that he obviously, you know, all of his injuries, the way he throws, the motion, you know, all of that stuff, he will have uh, about his IRC right now is 28%. By, by opening day, it should drop down to 20, 19 to 20%, fifth of the season. So he'll play, a, you know, like he'll start, if he makes, if he tries to make 20 starts, I think he'll probably make about 15 to 16 out of the 20. Not bad if you're thinking about 15 to 16 starts of Hugh Darvish. He's above average at 70% in two months. He'll probably be very close to peak health. So from this particular injury, he's had enough time. He's ready to go from those he's healed so he's at the best health that he could be at this point but expect him not to be 20 a 20 start guy he'll probably be right around 14 to 15 all right so you're getting him in the ninth round right now greg is is that something that can interest you is your sp3 sp4 maybe i'm looking at the tout war draft and hold draft he went in in round nine just ahead of shane bieber and chris archer so that's kind of the range he's going to be at, like around that, you know, top 30, top 35 starting pitchers. So all the projections on fan graphs have them pretty similar, around 10 wins or so, around seven to eight losses, 140 innings about, with an ERA at 3-7. I'm out. Yeah, I'm really <laughs> I mean, if we're just going basically. K per nine over 10. Yeah, they have him at around 140 innings pitched, and, you know, he's kind of, he's always dealt with injuries, you know, he's had, he's had Tommy John before, and. You know, he's only gone over oh 186 God. innings pitched, you know, once in the past four seasons. So, yeah, you know, he comes with his own risk, but that's why you're getting him as late as you are. The walks for nine is so bad. Well, I mean, it, you're looking at last year specifically. No, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the projections. I mean, he's always been a guy that's like right around three walks per nine. So I don't want this guy. You don't want you, Darvish? I don't want you, Darvish. Maybe! I don't think, I don't think so either. Maybe we should ask Dr. about you, Darvish's teammate, though, Brandon Morrow. Because the, you want the closer, you'd think, for Chicago. You expect them to win a bunch of games. Um, but they have a lot of options of who the closer could be for the Cubs. Their top option from last year was Brandon Morrow, who predictably uh, got hurt like he always does. You want to talk about a laundry list of injuries? That's Brandon Morrow. Is he healthy right now, Doc? So uh, our algorithm picked up on a couple of t uh, pieces of terminology coming out of the Cubs camp, and it said MRI showed no damage, but a CT scan later showed the need for surgery. <laughs> so the only, re not the only, but there's very few indications that actually that 
happens on and the team is not telling us what that is um you know i you know there's there's something in the bone the the, ct scan is much better for bone evaluation mri is much better for soft tissue evaluation like ligaments and tendons and cartilage etc all of that stuff so when something is not seen on mri but it is seen on ct it's likely something in the bone and so is it uh some necrosis is it a i mean I'm, i'm just speculating here guys i don't know anything but it's something else sometimes there could be a little bone tumor could be, I don't know. There, there are all these different things that are not seen on MRI that you can see on CTT. That is a pretty big indication because essentially, besides all of the other injuries that he's had, um, you know, uh, he, you know, and he, when he missed the final three months of the season, and then finally, after all this evaluation, underwent surgery. Um, you know, he he had a uh, grade three elbow debridement surgery. That's what they're calling it. Um, but I believe that the surgery is a lot was a lot more than that. Um, they're not telling us a piece of it, uh, basically. So his HPF is poor. It's 38%, and he's at a very, very high injury risk this year, especially as a closer with this type of elbow injury and all of these, um, you know, previous injuries and the fact that they have to debride his elbow before the season again. You know, longevity through the season and ha- being, a, being a sort of dominant closer in the league, it's going to be very difficult for him to, to maintain that, uh, you know, throughout the rest of the season. You could probably see him start really well, but, at, you know, his fifth or sixth start after that, you could probably see him go downhill a little bit. There you go. Dr. Ray from Inside Injuries. A lot of good information this week. Not really anything positive, but, uh, hey. I mean, that's what he's here for. Is he? It's not, it's he not like bad Doc news constantly? To deliver the good news. I mean, Doc is here to deliver the hard news. I gave you good news on Abreu. Oh, really? He told us he missed a quarter of the season. <laughs> yeah, but that's not that. yeah, but he's but he's healed. Great, awesome. He <laughs> said he still got his testicles too. Greg. He does still have his testicles. <laughs> I mean, that counts for something. Doctor A, inside injury. Oh, you know what? The, the Zion news was good. Zion News is good. All right, Doc, we'll, we'll bring you back next week. You'll, we'll catch you that. <laughs> Follow that inside injuries. We appreciate the time. Uh, we come back. We dive further into the second base rankings in the next two hours. Stick around. More from your BFFs right after this. The Fantasy Sports Network is hitting you from all angles with the best fantasy sports and betting analysis. You can catch the latest programming on so many platforms, there's no way you'll miss out on any of the award-winning programming we pump out every single day. You can listen through the FNTSY radio app, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. Download our podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Audioboom, and you can watch select programming on the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, your only source for fantasy sports and wagering anytime and anywhere. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the elite package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or elite package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. 
Scout Fantasy Sports. I think the Braves are the team that can win very easily if they're willing to move some of their young pitching. Could they not trade Kyle Wright for like a Cole Hamels type like the Cubs did last year? Would that be enough to get them through to the World Series? I don't think it's enough right now. They have, they have good young arms, but it, I don't think it's enough to win a division. I think they'll be good, like a lineup, uh, but I still think there's not enough starting pitching there right now. Weekdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Join the experts live on the air every day by calling in at 844-843-6879 to join the Fantasy Sports Network. Fantasy Best Friends Forever, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. 20 minutes away, Frank, uh, from the Beat Frank Sample Fantrax League. That's right. Best ball draft over on Fantrax. And I'm not just saying this, but um, if you do play Dynasty and you kind of like need a location, I've seen a lot of people asking, like, oh, where should I host my Dynasty League and stuff? Uh, Fantrax does have like the deepest player pool. I've actually played a Dynasty League, which hasn't, that didn't last. It was only one year. I won. The only year that, that we played it, I won it there. Uh, but they do have a, an extremely deep player pool, go really far into the prospects and stuff. So, uh, and, and not just your dynasty league, but if you know if you want to host your league, make sure you do it over there. Uh, but yeah, we got the best ball draft coming up here, starting at one o'clock. I have the fifth pick. I know our our buddy Chris Venture, the closer, yeah boy, uh, is in the draft, and he has pick eleven. I know a few other people who watch and listen to the show are in the draft as well. So. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I was actually surprised, Frank, and joined the league last night. So I, cause I saw him tweet it out. I was like, hey, if you haven't joined, that, join. So I clicked the link. and Too I popular. Went to the lobby. I was like, Frank, I don't, I don't see your league here. He's like, it's all filled up, man. I'm like, oh, crap. So there you go. It starts in about uh, 20 minutes from now. So that'll be fun. The Beat Frank Stample, uh, Fantrax Best Ball League. Speaking of Frank, let's promote Frank a little bit more. Uh, his second base rankings are now live over on his Patreon. So check that out. For free. For free for now. And then he's going to start charging you all. Limited time only while supplies last. How long will supplies last? I don't know. Oh, right. Someone asked me in the chat today. I haven't decided. You can what do sp- you think, Craig? Really you're supposed question. to be my advocate. I am. So you're, you know, you're supposed to help me out with these things. I'll tell you what. You I, pump me up. I'll tell you what I think off the air. Okay. Uh, when you should charge people for. All right. But there's some really cool features that Frank's gonna have his Patreon, including f bombs and the frankings. So okay. definitely check it out. F bombs, frankings, and more from our own Frank Stample inside his Patreon, uh, which is available right now. So purchase it before uh, he raises the prices on you because you don't want to. You don't want to do that. How's that? Very good. You're doing a good job. <laughs> Thanks, of this. man. Paul Heyman. I appreciate you're that. You're my guy. I take it. <laughs> Uh, okay, so second base ranks. We've uh, it's been forty five minutes. We've done two, so we're on track to do exactly. Yeah, we're, on, we're on pace. We're, we're on, on pace. the same pace as yesterday. Then, so you have these two guys, right? Javier Baez and Jose Abreu, and they're borderline first second round. Jose Altuve. Jose Altuve. Excuse me. Jose Altuve and Javier Baez, borderline first second round guys or turn guys, I should say. Then you have a second baseman who's in a tier of his own. And that's Whit Merrifield. His NFBC ADP over the last month or so is around 29.30. So he's playing in a 15-team league the end of the second round. He's playing in a 12-team league right dab smack in the middle of the third. The next second baseman doesn't go off the, bat, off the board for another 30 picks or so. Whit Merrifield's in a tier of his own. And I asked Frank right before he we went on the air. I said, Frank, is Whit Merrifield worth it? where he's getting drafted. And, of course, he turned that into a poll uh, with all these guys that are kind of in the area. So I'll, I'll throw it at you again, buddy. Is Whit Merrifield worth being drafted at his ADP? Yes and no. 
I think it's kind of an overreaction because everyone wants to find stolen bases. And last year, Robert Merrifield led the league in stolen bases with 45. He actually attempted 55 stolen bases. He was caught 10 times. But, look, he gives you stolen bases and doesn't complete you, completely sink you everywhere else. Now, he is expected to bat third in the Royals lineup this year. So is there a chance that that affects his stolen base output a little bit? I have, a, I have some concerns, but the Royals are a team that if they want to generate any offense this year, it's going to be on the base pass because they have Billy Hamilton, uh, they have Adalberto Monesi, they have Whitmerry Field. It's very clear what they're trying to do this year. They don't have big sluggers in this lineup. The way that they're going to generate runs is they're going to run on the base pass. So, you know, Whitmerry Field uh, still going to run a lot. Am I going to project him for 40-plus stolen bases again? Probably not. I would probably expect more like the 35 range for Whitmerry Field. Doesn't completely kill you in like the power categories. He's going to be 12 to 15 home runs. Good batting average. I think he's a legitimate hitter. You know, 280 plus batting average. Um, but lineup is just not great, Greg. So 80 runs, 70 RBIs. You know, even if he bats third, what, 75, maybe 80, 80 RBIs? I mean, that's on the, the good side of things, the good spectrum of, of outcomes that can happen here for Whitmerry Field. So you're looking at a good batting average, 280, 12 to 15 home runs. Not great, I mean, but he doesn't completely sink you. He's not like D. Gordon where he gives you like one or two. 80 runs, 75 to 80 RBIs, and, you know, 35 stolen bases. So that's what you're looking at. Is that worthy of a second-round pick? Probably not. I think it's an overreaction because people want to get stolen bases. So the stolen base category, I mentioned it with Altuve a couple of moments ago, that, like, if you know you're getting them, it, it's well worth it, I, I think. And as you stated, Frankie, like, this is the only way the Royals are going to have any any amount of success. We saw 34 stolen bases in 2017 from Witt up to 45 last year. Is this a dude that's going to steal 50 bases? Probably not. But there's nothing that I'm seeing that says he can't really replicate what he's doing, right? Like, he's a fast dude. He's going to score 80 runs. He's going to have probably at least 70 RBI, you'd think. He makes a lot of contact. The K percentage is at around 16%. He upped the walk rate. I think you have to be very impressed. He doubled his walk rate. Line drive rate, right around 30%. So he makes solid contact. You know, he's going to have a good batting average. Uh, He's going to hit some doubles, which is going to help you in points league. You like that he uh, improved that walk rate. I actually have Whit Merrifield as a keeper in one of my home points leagues, and I'm actually kind of excited about it. In what round? Uh, I have him for, I believe, a 10th round. So my my buddy actually, before the show, G-chatted me, and he's like, hey, I have Whit Merrifield as a third-round keeper at the 3-8 spot, 12-team league, mm-hmm. in the 3-8 spot. What do I do? Uh, well, it comes down to what the rest of his keepers look like. Right. So right. it's like, if you have no one else and you just want to assure that you get with Merrifield, then sure. But, I mean, that's there's probably no, where he's there's no go. Value. There's no value there. Yeah. That's yeah. not great value. I, I think you're right. He hasn't strike out all that much, about 16%. Um, I think what we're seeing is pretty replicable. The bat was was pretty high at 352 after just 308 the year before. He does have a bit of a split thing too. Really? Uh, versus righties, he's 282 and with a 750 OPS, but against lefties, he's 357 and a 945. So he crushes OPS. lefties. So he's he crushes. He's adequate against righties and he crushes lefties. That's pretty so, interesting. Okay. I mean, but he didn't sink you. You know, it's not like he's dreadful. Do you think right. some of the reason that you're not I guess head over heels for this dude because he's like 30 years old? Um, Plays your bad team. I, I think I'm more worried about the guy. Royals lineup than I am the age thing. Okay. Because just looking at his skills, uh, you know, he's improved the plate discipline. He hits the ball hard. I think he's a legitimate hitter. I think he's a good hitter. I do have some concerns about the Royals lineup, if I'm being honest. 
I don't think it's good. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's they're one probably, of the worst. They're probably the worst team in baseball. But you know, if he does bat third, last year I think he was more so like batting first and second. Second, yeah. If he does I bat third, you, you, lower you might steals. you might lose some stolen bases, yeah. but you'll gain some RBI. Maybe he's closer to eighty but, RBI this year. But you're looking. The reason you're drafting with Merrifield is not for the RBI. You don't care about the RBI theoretically. You care about the steals. Well, yeah, I mean, you want a little bit of everything. That's what you want Whit Merrifield for because he doesn't sink you in in any specific spot. So last year he batted first hundred in hundred and twelve games. Stole 39 of his 46 bases in the leadoff spot. Batting second, he stole four bases. I was in 32 games. Um, he did not bat third last year. He batted fourth, fifth, and sixth. Obviously, primarily, it was in that leadoff spot where he has 39 stolen bases. I would be worried about moving down in the order, hurting, the, hurting his ability to run. If it were on another team, though, right? Like, stolen bases are, are generally, they're based off of motive, whether or not you want to do it, and team philosophy. The Royals team philosophy, they're going to run. I, I looked this up last night because I was doing research on Adalberto Mondesi. Over the past five years... Are still sweating him? Adalberto Mondesi? Yeah. Yeah, they okay. are. Uh, he's kind of like this year's Byron Buxton, which Matt Modica made that I comment, saw that last it, night. It was, it was pretty much spot on. I saw him. that. Uh, but over the past five years, the Royals have the third most stolen bases. They're a team that's going to run. Like, their team philosophy, they do back that up, so... I understand why some people might worry about Whit Merrifield moving down in the lineup and it might affect him, but if it were another team, I would worry a little bit more. The Royals, their team philosophy is they're going to run. Who's he going around? So Whit Merrifield in ADP. I do like the fact that he has dual position eligibility too. He has second base and outfield, so that obviously helps you for Roto. Uh, you, get to, you get him at two of the, 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 the shallowest positions, both second base and outfield for Roto, which helps. Uh, Whit Merrifield is going right around. He's going ahead of Blake Snell. Juan Soto, Chris Bryant, Trevor Bauer, Anthony Rizzo, Luis Severino. And really back-to-back with Andrew Benintendi. Which, I, think, I don't really love either of those guys. Dude, I think, I, we're going to have a really big Benintendi show. i gotta, I got to figure out why you, you're off on him. I think I want... Let's, let's do it right now. Let's not, we're doing second basement, Frank. What is there to like about Benintendi? Uh, we're doing second basement right now. I was not prepared for that. I'm just kidding. I mean, I'm, not, I'm, just I'm, kidding. O- I'm always ready to like rip this guy apart, dude. What, what, why do you hate Benintendi for real? He struggles against left-handed pitching. I'm a guy who looks a lot into splits because I want my players to play every, every day, day, and yeah. I want them when they're in the lineup every single day. I, you know, I don't want like okay, they're facing you know three lefties in a row, so I know for the next three days Benintendi's gonna suck basically. And his bad ball data last year, the average hard hit rate last season was 35. percent in a year where everybody's average exit velocity and hard hit rate was going up, his was 28. 28%. Benny biceps. Are you serious? Hit the gym, bro. 9.4% home run to fly ball ratio. Everyone's still kind of waiting for this guy to break out. Like, last year was supposed to be the third-year breakout. It was his third season at the major league level. Now it's going to be his fourth year. I realize he's, you know, he's going to still only turn 25 this year in July. He's going to score a lot of runs. He's going to lead off for the Red Sox. I get it. But, like, for people who think he's going to be, like, this 25-25 guy, it's not going to happen. He's been 20 home runs, and he's been 16. So, I think that's where he's going to be again. I think he's going to be, you know, 18 to 20 stolen bases. Can uh, 18 to 20 home runs, and probably the stolen bases, too, in that same range. I don't really buy the batting average either. 290 for a guy that had a 28% hard hit rate? I don't know. I just don't buy it. And, and he struggles throughout his entire career against lefties. In his career against left-handed pitching, mm-hmm. he is a 234 hitter with a 641 OPS. That's your second-round pick. 234, 641 OPS against 
against righties. He's 296 with an 855 OPS. He hasn't lived up to expectations. And he's still going where... He's going higher than he was last year. He was going in the third round last year, right around Christian Yelich. He hasn't lived up to expectations, and he's only going at a higher draft price than he was at this time last year. I don't get it. That's my Benintendi. I think people just... I think the split conversation is fair, but I, I think people look at what they now he's going to hit thirty homers and score one hundred twenty right. runs and make. Well, I think that's what people see. Like you gave that you gave that number of the home run to fly ball ratio being nine nine percent a year after being eleven percent and his first season being six and a half percent, and thinking like if that could just jump up to an average rate, if he hits the ball a little bit harder. But Fenway is not good for left-handed power. No, it's not. And we haven't seen any you, indication that it's going to jump either. I'm just telling you why. If he, if he had a, even if his hard hit rate went up a little bit, it's never been great. He's 31% hard hit rate for his career. So he doesn't hit the ball all that hard at a time when everybody is hitting the ball hard. If it went up to 36, 37% last year, at least, you know, let me see some kind of improvement. I, I'm out on Benetton. He's going to score runs. That's for, like, he's going to lead off for the Red Sox. I understand that. He's going he's gonna to score 100 runs. And he's, I don't, I don't think that, I don't buy the 290 batting average either, so. You know, if he's a 275 hitter with a 350 OBP, he's going to score over 100 runs. He'll give you 20 homers, 20 stolen bases. I don't know. Is that worthy of a second-round pick? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe that is worthy. Is it? I don't know. I think it could be, yes. I lean toward, like, if I'm choosing between him and Blackman, I'll still take Blackman. I agree with that. I told you that. Yeah. I would take this guy over Wit. I don't really want either. I'm probably taking a starting pitcher there. Because think about it, if you start in the early first round, you're going to take a hitter first. You're going to take like a Jose Ramirez or an outfielder, or you're going to get like J.D. Martinez or Christian Yelich, someone like that, Ronald Acuna. Sure. You're going to come back in the second round. Yep. You're going to be deciding between these hitters or, hey, do I double down on starting pitching? Let me get my SP1 and my SP2 in the first three rounds, or at least just grab one starting pitcher. At this point in the draft, you're looking at the way I you know, get Blake Snell, Luis Severino. I'll tell you the way I, the way I get Andrew the way I get Andrew Benintendi. Is that if I draft, let's say, Jose Ramirez in the first round, right? I follow, yeah. I follow that up with the best starting pitcher on the boards in the second round. And in the third round, Benintendi is the best outfielder left. That's how I get Benintendi on my team. Yeah, but he's going at ADP 28, so he's going in the second round. In a 12-team draft, he's not. In, fi- in a 15-teamer. In, in, tw- in a 12-teamer, he's, that's exactly the Jose Ramirez spot, right? The fourth pick overall. Like, that is yeah. literally the Jose Ramirez you spot. You would start your draft like Jose, Jose Ramirez, Ramirez, starting pitcher. In a 15-team league, you do Jose Ramirez, Benintendi, and then come around and get your first starting pitcher, which would be like Bauer or Severino. There's probably a lot of people that like that start. That is a, that's, I don't think it's a bad start. I'm out on Benintendi. He's really into the split thing, huh? Split things what kills you, I think. Yep. Okay. Is he still going to lead off when they face a tough lefty? James Paxton? Is he going to lead off? I don't know. Who are the other choices to lead off? I don't think they're going to have bets lead off. Bogarts? Probably not. Probably not. Maybe against less easy might though. Are people in on Bogarts this year. I was I was kind of crunching numbers on shortstops last night. Um, yeah, I think people are kind of in on him. He's you know he has like a fourth fifth round price tag. I was actually talking to you a little while ago. I was talking to hometown Heller. To me like his production has been so up and down every single season. Kind of hard for me to trust. And am I am I just a Red Sox hater? I don't know. Is well, that it? So it's I like JD Martinez. I like Mookie Betts. Am I a Red Sox hater? I like Nathan Navaldi. I'd like to think I'm not a Red Sox hater. So I was talking to hometown Heller before, and he had three Red Sox on his team. He's a Mets fan, but he had three Red Sox on his team last year. He's a Mets Jaguars fan. Yeah. That's an interesting life. Mm-hmm. 
So he had Mookie Betts, Andrew Benintendi, and Xander Bogarts on his team last year. And like anytime you played him, whenever the Red Sox scored and they scored every night, oh my god, you're just like I'm you're screwed. Crushed. Screwed. And it was every right. single. Well, there you go. There's a strategy for you. Stack Red, Red Sox. Sox? Well, so I asked. I was like, should I do that? Because so, I'm going to have bets. That first overall pick. If you if you had bets, I do have bets. You get bets. Have bets. Second pick in like a 15 team draft. Well, I first come back and take Benintendi to start your draft. Like, but this is what get a little bit of every category. You get two outfielders in a roto draft. This is what I'm asking. And you have no discrepancy. This is why I'm asking you in my league. I have the first overall pick. It's a keeper league. I'm keeping. I'm, I'm drafting and um, Mookie Betts first overall. Do I come back and draft Ben Intendi in the second? No, because he sucks against lefties, and that's the answer, Greg. Alrighty then. Fair enough. Seems like you like Ben Intendi a little bit more than me. I do like Ben Intendi a little bit more than you. That is that is a fact. Should we continue the second baseman? Sure. Okay. You mentioned Whit Merrifield is kind of like in a tier of his own. He's the only one who he goes is. in the uh, in the third round of drafts, and then there's kind of a drop off here. Um, you know, he goes around pick 29 in NFBC, and then the next guy up is Ozzy Albies, who goes at pick 57. So, yeah, there's, there's quite a big drop there. Like 28 picks. 28 picks in, in drop from, uh, from Whit Merrifield to Ozzy Albies. Great. Ozzy Albies, Glaber Torres, Daniel Murphy, they go all in or, or around the same round. I know we talked a lot uh, about Daniel Murphy. And to me... I want Daniel. Like Daniel Murphy's a target of mine this year, and I got to make sure that I get him. <laughs> Not worried about the knee. I saw some people talking about this on Twitter last night in the in the fantasy baseball industry. A year later, you know, he had bone on bone last year, Greg. That's bad. That's who we need to ask Doc about next week. Daniel Murphy. How healthy is he going to be this year? Because he's another year older. I don't want to be the guy who's kind of like poo pooing Daniel Murphy. I guess this is just the episode where I hate everybody, but. And I don't hate Daniel Murphy. I want to like him. He's in Colorado. How can you not like him? He's a contact hitter who hits line drives and doubles, and he's going to be in Colorado. How can you not like that? But one year older, bone on bone with a knee. I think there's a little bit more concern with Daniel Murphy that people are leaving on. I feel like you learned this yesterday. You learned this overnight. No, I, no I've actually I had it written down in my notes. I, I, I tweeted something out, and everyone killed me for it. Take a break. Come back. More second basements. Hour number two.